leave it in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Post Credit Conversations, a movie podcast that believes that a film is only as good as the discussion it inspires. My name is Kale Prindle. And I am Slade Lane. <laughs> how you doing, Slade? Uh, I'm doing good. How, how are you doing? Uh, fine. You know, oh, I'm, uh, it's it's mid August. It's mid August. You have started school. I'm about to start school. Um, yeah, <laughs> that brings stress and craziness and weirdness to everything. Um, uh, so I will say, in spite of all of that, I'm doing okay. I feel mostly the same way. Um, just doing a job, I think most teachers shouldn't be doing at this point in time but hey they tell me i gotta keep going to get a paycheck so actually that hasn't been stated but uh i am still going because <laughs> i assume it my paycheck is contingent on attendance <laughs> you assume so yeah that's probably a good assumption M- much like <laughs> kids grades teachers salary is really just based on attendance you come to class <laughs> i'm willing to give you at least 60 percent of a grade <laughs> Of other 40s up to you. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. All right, well, but, um, we are something. I don't know where I was going to go with that. Just stalled out on that. Slade, what have you been watching lately? Um, <laughs> it's it's early on a Sunday morning. Yeah. I'm still a little foggy brain. Yeah, so yeah, no, it's what fine. have you been watching lately? Um, what have I been watching? Well, uh. I don't think I covered this the last time we got together. It's one of the only new things I've watched is uh, The Wrong Missy with Lauren Lapkus and David Spade on Netflix. It's a comedy movie. Okay. Uh, it's <laughs> I rated it rather low. I mean, it's not groundbreaking comedy, but I found it to be really enjoyable. Um, I mean, David Spade, as much junk as I feel he gets in general uh he's a solid yeah guy in everything i think um but lauren lapkus if you're not familiar with her work which i know you are uh from watching crashing and everything she is just really hilarious in all of it i mean the the basic premise is you know david spade's this dead end in uh not intern but like company man like trying to date and stuff he meets the girl of his dream she's a miss whatever pageant winner um he had this terrible date with lauren lapkus recently and he writes her off like she's just really crazy really weird uh he ends up texting her to go on this company trip with him uh not knowing that he texted the wrong girl gets lauren lapkus and it's just it's hilarious it's a it's a good time um otherwise i've seen the peanuts movie about six seven times in the last week (laughs) um hooray for having children yeah no and you know i i put things on for my daughter every now and then to see like maybe she'll just watch this whole thing and every time it's on she watches the entire thing she's just mesmerized by the you know the peanuts movie movie is it's a pretty good little movie it's really good um it is (laughs) It's very charming. It's very nice. My kids have only watched it, I think, once. But when we watch it, I'm like, this is awesome. No, it's... And I always hoped they would, like, go back to it and be like, hey, we want to watch that movie again when they were younger. And then they just kind of didn't. It's but a... that's the strange... Yeah. My kids like to watch short things on repeat. They don't like watching movies on repeat, which is fine-ish. Um, but there's so many good movies that, like, I remember growing up thinking, like, yeah, I could watch this movie all the time. And there have been very few films that my kids have been like, I will, wa- I will watch this all the time. Strangely, the movie they watch the most, at least Jonah, is Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> he watches that movie so often, it's great. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. And that's a long movie. Yeah. That's a long movie. No. It is a long movie, but he loves yeah. the pirates. He loves the undead, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> When he's trying to summon so him with uh, some Aztec gold, that's when you gotta be worried. Uh, yeah, I found a, a little like shoebox with some coins in it under his bed and <laughs> with with like blood stains everywhere. And I'm like, this seems troublesome. This is odd. Uh, 
he's hiding that right <laughs> he's hand a lot. Like, what's yeah. wrong? Nothing. Um, Nothing. <laughs> I might not oh, be the man. right Turner. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, the Peanuts movie uh, is a great movie. Uh, it is more. It's a good it's, little movie. It's charming. It, it, I noticed watching it yesterday again, s- seventh time. I'm just like, you know what's really great about this movie? It is a children's movie that the technology in it is Peanuts technology. Like, it is not... It it feels like a very current movie, but then you realize, like, this is, like, in the 1950s. Um, yeah. And, and it doesn't feel that way to me. Um, it's also a more adult kid movie than I... <laughs> think i think it is like know. charlie brown I'm, from what i remember in that movie man you feel for that kid he's that the movie, lovable man. loser <laughs> he it's, really it's is gary goldman's bit like imagine me had i if i'm charlie brown had snoopy died <laughs> and i'm just like after watching the peanuts movie i'm like i get you man <laughs> snoopy's the one yeah. one thing carrying him through anyway um it's pretty good what have you been watching <laughs> You know, not a lot. Uh, we had kind of a weird recording schedule, um, as you know, mm-hmm. and so we missed our usual every other week, and so one of them went longer, and so it's not been as long between recordings as we normally have, so I haven't watched much um, since we chatted last. Uh, I think the only thing I've watched, I watched for a few dollars more. Yes. Um, cause I watched fistful of dollars like a year ago. I'm like, man, this movie's amazing. I love it. And then I was like going through and I'm like, oh yeah, for a few dollars more is on, um, Amazon yeah. prime. So I watched that and it's fine. Yeah. Like it, it has all the stuff that makes the first one good, but yeah, it, it's not as interesting. No. Like I don't think the villains is good and whatever else. It's, it's a lot um, more snapshotty. Whereas yeah, for, yeah, a, 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 for, Fistful of Dollars is very much like, you know, it is uh, Yo Jimbo. <laughs> so. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, for a few dollars more, it was fine. Not not anything that I'd be like, you got to go see it. And then uh, The Princess and the Frog on okay. Disney Plus, in part because Disney has announced that they're going to completely redo Splash Mountain in their theme parks. They're going to get rid of the Song of the South theme probably a good idea and they're gonna replace it with princess and the frog it probably is um current climate current, <laughs> got into a until big it becomes retro to be racist Cur- retro to be racist that's a well, great that's when it title. was announced right um <laughs> i mean i got in a big conversation with our parents about this back in june because they announced it back in june during like all the george floyd protests like all right song of the south it's time we like officially get rid of you and we're gonna replace you with princess and the frog yeah. and anyway um, so I'd watched that movie like 10 years ago and I'm like, I should go back and watch that movie. And it's not the most amazing movie Disney's ever made, but it is definitely oh! like, yeah, it's going. still good. It's still good. Like it's, it's as good as kind of a lot of their classics. I feel from like the sixties and seventies for the people who grew up in kind of like the the Robin Hood, or not grew up in, who watched a lot of the Robin Hood era Disney movies. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, when were you born? I know. I, I messed it up. <laughs> I mean, that's the weird thing about Disney movies, though, But we right? had the VHSs, so it felt like that. Exactly. Like, yeah. And that's the weird thing about Disney movies is, like, you never remember when they came out because you watch them all when you grow up anyway. Um, so yeah. it's a good yeah. movie. I liked it a lot. I wish that... Um, it didn't have so much of like the typical like animated movie tropes like hey here's like Tiana's an awesome character i like her a lot she is defying a lot of what disney had put into their princess movies up until the point she's stuck on this adventure with this prince and they hate each other at first but then of course within 2 days they're like we should get married and I'm like, man, you did so many other cool things. I wish you hadn't bothered with that. But aside from that, that movie is beautiful. It looks so good. Uh, the villain is so creepy. I like him a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was good. So that's And that's really about it. I watched like two movies since we recorded last. And then the one nice. we're going to talk about today, of course. Yes. Uh, qu- quick 
bringing it back, I did watch one other movie yet last uh, Friday night slash yesterday. If in case you saw, <laughs> I didn't have much of a review. Alice in Wonderland. Speak speaking of Disney, I watch it. I've seen this movie now twice. Um, ever. I think I watched it at your house because I think you own it. Um, and I remember watching it. And like, here's the thing with Alice in Wonderland. Like, you know, like growing up, maybe it's just a kid's thing. <laughs> As you're watching it, I can see <laughs> my review. Here's the thing. I'm about looking Alice at it. In, yeah. Here's the thing about Alice in Wonderland. I I kept it very quick because I knew I would talk about it. I like everything that's in. Alice in Wonderland, like every part of it, it's just like, oh, that's the thing. I like we've grown up with the imagery of Alice in Wonderland for, you know, 70 years now. But upon actually watching the movie and and it took me back to reading the book because I've read the books as well, which is like, I don't get it. And I get it. I'm one of the people that like for the for the hardcore people I knew that were just like Alice in Wonderland. It is so clever. It is so whatever. And like it is clever. I'm not taking that away. It's clever. Yeah. But, you know, it it's just like in the beginning of the movie, like it sets you up for everything that happens or doesn't happen in this case, which is. I want a world full of nonsense. And that is literally all it is. Like, mm-hmm. in reading the history, I'm like, I get why this got popular in the 60s and 70s. Because you know what? Here's the funny thing. Like, I was thinking, like, we need to do an episode of comparing Alice in Wonderland versus Pineapple Express. These are both stoner flicks. But you know what? You can watch <laughs> Pineapple Express sober and still enjoy it. It's still funny if you're sober. Alice in Wonderland, I don't think it has that thing. Because I I watched it in pieces. And I'm just like, this is not even enjoyable. Um, like the animation, yes-ish. Um, you know. And it, it's so hard to comment because there is no plot. It is all nonsense. Um, and hence why Alice being the way she is. Which I hated her in the book. Because I'm like, you're just dumb. You let things happen to you. Like, there's there's a comment to be said about that. But, like, after you buy into the premise of it being nonsense, it's just like, well, I, I can't even really critique you being a flimsy, sure. flimsy lead female in this. Like, it's just you going through nonsense. That's how I felt about Alice in Wonderland. I, I don't get it. I appreciate it kind of. It's great for a quick reference in the Matrix, but past that, it's better to reference. It's better to reference Alice in Wonderland than to actually watch it. I'm well, done. yeah, I mean, so like, as far as like the film goes, so much of the cleverness is in the book, and it's not even that it's like clever plot. It's just like it's clever linguistics. I feel in, yes, in the book, from what it. I remember, right? Yeah, he's a he's a clever. Not he has a fun way with impassable. words. Impassable. <laughs> Right, like he just has a lot of fun with language, and that's why I think the book yeah. is is worthwhile. The film, which I have not watched in a very long time, um, I think with the the Disney film gets some should get some credit for it is again it's a marvel of character design. Yes, not for Alice, <laughs> but for everyone else. It's like yes, yeah, it, it, which is what Disney's so good at anyway. But because it's Wonderland, they get to be sillier and goofier, and so you've got definitely. Stuff like the Mad Hatter, which is just like the design of that character is brilliant. The voice, yeah. who I should know the voice, the name of the voice, because he's a really well-known voice guy that Alan Tudyk copies for the the Candy King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of doing like a version of the Mad Hatter. And it's like, so there's some brilliant character stuff. But yeah, it's like plot-wise, it's, oh no, I fell down a hole. I have to get out of here. So it seems like there's a plot, but then of course it ends in that, bummer of an ending which is like oh it was all just a dream all just a dream i'm just like next time you hear one of these people i love alice in wonderland but oh i hate the the, uh, twilight or whatever like it was all just a dream like no you can't do that alice in wonderland maybe it did first i don't know i I mean i appreciate (laughs) the art style which is mainly the only thing I appreciate so far of going through early Disney movies of just, it is so influenced by that 
German cinema, like it's creepy yeah. feeling. And Alice in Wonderland still has that in it, especially, you know, I mean, the Cheshire cat is just wonderful. Um, yeah. <laughs> voiced by the guy who does Wayne the Pooh. But um, so, yeah, no, it, like there's things to appreciate, but as a like, uh, in love with it, I'm like, okay, I've cured myself of ever having to try and get it. I'm, I'm good <laughs> for another 10 years until I try and watch it again like and be like, eh, eh, okay. Well, it's funny. I've been telling myself ever since I did sign up for Disney Plus, I'm like, I need to do more of a classic Disney run. Because I know you started it, and then you're like, yeah. I'm done for a while. And <laughs> <laughs> It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, I just I just randomly pick things like the the few animated stuff I've done in there. I did Great Mouse Detective, I don't know, a month or two ago, um, and now I've done Princess and the Frog. Like I'm just kind of like randomly pick and choose random Disney ones because yes. I don't I don't know if I want to do what you started doing, which is like let's go back to Snow White and just yeah. onward. But I don't yeah. know. I still need to check them out. Some it, it's kind of fun until you hit the 1940s uh, propaganda yeah. films, and then you're just like. <laughs> Can I skip this? I I, I am going to go back and do Mr. Ichabod and and Toad. Right. Uh, But yeah, yeah, after Fantasia, it's all just. Oh, yeah, I did do Fantasia. (laughs) I like Fantasia. Yeah. And um, what (laughs) I have done, it's it's beautiful. And and that one doesn't have to make sense. That's where it wins. Yeah. Um, But yeah, what I have watched surprisingly is way too many YouTube videos of people ranking all these different like Disney animated (laughs) film eras. I don't know why. I'm like, sure, go ahead and rank this random thing. The only thing that's cool about it, though, is seeing the little bit of history of just like, oh, this is when Walt Disney kind of stopped doing things, or this is when the company was going bankrupt, or this is where. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And so those propaganda films become kind of interesting. But whatever. Um, I don't have any segues, so, but I think. We're good. I think we can get into our main film. Let's do it. Get to the good stuff. All right, Slade. Um, As always, I am eager to hear how you're going to summarize the film we watched. In my head, it sounds so good. It's not going to come out that way. All right. Uh, This week, we watched a film that came out in 20. 11 was when it uh, debuted. Uh, 2012 is when it saw its wide release. We watched The Cabin in the Woods. It is a film directed by Drew Goddard, written by Drew Goddard, and Joss Whedon. Um, so, this takes place in kind of a nondescript college town. Uh, we follow the adventures of five college youth as they go up to a mansion, not a mansion, sorry, (laughs) a mansion in the woods, name of the episode, mansion in the woods, to a cabin in the woods, see, it's already falling apart, Uh, they go to this cabin in the woods for a weekend of college tomfoolery, sex, alcohol, and, you know, truth and dare, Um, once they get there, they stumble down into a basement with all these weird horror movie trope items uh eventually reading this journal about a family that has been murdered of like southern rednecks and by reading a latin phrase they summon up a undead zombie redneck family of zombies that begin killing them but twist they are trapped here by an invisible force field and their moves are being watched uh in this underground lab type thing, a la the Umbrella Corporation of Resident Evil, as these kind of puppet masters are orchestrating this event uh, to sacrifice these college students uh, to appease the old ones and keep them at bay. They are keeping evil at bay. Uh, Eventually... The two remaining college students, uh, the virgin and the the fool, I will call them because I don't remember their names. That's what they uh, call them in the movie, so you're good. That's what they call them in the movie. Uh, stumble down into this labyrinth of just horror monsters that they have kept in there, discovering the plot that they were to be used as sacrifice to keep the old ones at bay. 
eventually they end up not killing themselves and the old ones return there and destroy the world i think is what as we're far as we know to, destroy yeah. the world so <laughs> I think that's where it's supposed to go that's <laughs> that's as far as i'm no that's good that's the end of the movie there well right? done yeah so cabin in the woods yeah well done um so <laughs> kale what yep. are your first initial thoughts on cabin in the woods <laughs> well okay so i remember when this film you said it's wide release was in 2012 and i remember it because yeah. The wide release of this movie came after The Avengers came out. And so The Avengers hit in 2012, and everyone was like, this is the biggest movie in the entire world! And then right around the same time, Cabin in the Wood came out, and everyone was like, oh, hey, it's Hemsworth. Thor's in this weird horror movie. We, oh, oh, and Joss Whedon's involved? It was like this weird, like, underground yeah. Avengers initiative that was happening. Yes. Um, and I remember people saying it was... Really good, but I never really watched it because, as we've mentioned here on the podcast before, horror is not my preferred genre. I don't watch a lot of horror no. movies. Um, certainly not a lot of slashers, and and, and um, I just haven't. You know, there's some movies yeah. I'm like, I can watch a zombie movie and it's no big deal at all, but never got into slashers. So I've been curious about this film for a long time. And uh, I think the first thing, my first thought is like, oh, that's funny. Yes. From the very beginning, this film is funny. And um, (laughs) I love the opening sequence because it is all of this weird, like, drippy blood Aztec sacrifice imagery all over the screen. And then the next cut is like two dudes in their white shirts at the water cooler talking about like, in vitro fertilization, I think, about how yes. they're trying yeah. to have kids and, and what's getting in. And it's like, and they're middle-aged dudes, like they're older dudes. And it was like, that was a hard left turn because uh, it's like sacrifice it and blood. And then well, just, and then at the end of that open sequence. Oh, yeah, I was going to that. <laughs> These guys in this big, <laughs> sterile-looking facility just driving down the hall in their little cart and then, like, a huge, like, jump scare type noise as the title of the film, <laughs> Cabin in the Woods. And it's like, what? And it's like, it did not belong there. And that juxtaposition of this weird corporate laboratory area of guys talking about, just like, yeah, I mean, we're hoping to maybe get pregnant this one way or whatever. It's like, what is going on? And then to throw that title screen up at that moment, I'm like, oh, this is funny. And yeah, it was so no. important to establish that early on, because as you know, if the tone is not set properly for me, it can really you irritate me. You it can really irritate trouble. me. But this film started off with that, which is like the perfect tone for the rest of this movie, which is like, this is there's going to be a lot of silliness here. Yes. Um, and so that that's my first thought, is just the humor. I think it's a very yeah. funny movie. Thank you. I'm glad you thought it was funny. Uh, we started well, so we we started last night. I've seen this once before, maybe twenty. I might have seen it in 2012 or 2013. I I got it on Redbox, um, and I remember really enjoying it. Um, so me and my girlfriend watched it last night, and like the funny thing is, I I think if you're not familiar with horror or or not ready to laugh, it's still a scary movie. And I think that's the funny thing. Like you can laugh at this movie or be scared by it. Like she, she jumped when the, the title came on because it does come out. Of nowhere. It's, it's one like, of the what? scariest, it's one of the scariest parts it's, of the movie. Cause it's yeah. you're truly not expecting <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> well, boom. And, and that's the, the part I liked about it so much. And, and, you know, uh, we had the lights out and everything. She's like, no, I'm done. Went to the other room. Um, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I have to watch this for, for my non-paying other job. And so right. <laughs> we, you know, but 30 minutes in, she came out. She's like, okay, so I read the premise of the movie, and I could definitely watch this. I get it now, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, exactly, you know, um, because about 30, 45 minutes in – it gets silly, <laughs> like just blatantly silly. I think. Um, well, and, and but silly b- before in a then, very... it's actually scary too. Like it has yeah. the jump scares. It has all this of 
it's uneasy and you know it has that tone with if you're into the horror genre you're just like oh that's hilarious how they played with everything going on so yeah no i totally agree i think that as far as it being like an actual scary movie so i was watching this and i i told my wife i'm like i'm gonna watch this movie she's like what is it i'm like yeah it's it's a horror movie but i all i know about it is like i know it also gets very meta and and you know it's very self-critiquing and critiquing the genre but you know still categorized as a horror movie she's like eh i don't need to watch it so i'm watching it and then at some point she walks in and she walks in after the the zombie family have come back to kill everyone so she missed all of the setup she missed everything about this like corporate controlling situation she just walks in to see this texas chainsaw massacre type family throwing bear traps at people and dragging people into the woods and, and stabbing sounds. And she's like, Oh my God. And she's like, she's like, I can't know. And so she, she left, she wasn't going to stick around for that. And so it does still work because, you know, these are guys who work together on a lot of TV shows together. They worked on angel together. And I think maybe even a little bit of Buffy and, and a lot of Joss Whedon classic people are in here. The guy who plays the fool, uh, Marty, was in Dollhouse, oh, yeah. and I think maybe some other Joss Whedon projects as well. Um, so we've got a lot of those repeat players. So they know each other, and they know this genre well. So they make a really classic 1980s Evil Dead yeah. slash, yeah. you know, whatever type of movie. So, yeah, it does work in its in its grossness. Uh, and you said something that's important as well, which is like people who love horror movies and, and they know these genres, they're just going to... Laugh, which I I find a lot of people who love horror movies they like to laugh at horror movies anyway. Like they like yeah. to be scared, well, but they take a lot of delight in like gory grossness. Um, it was like, oh, that's really funny and and whatever. But this one like actually is like not yeah. just because it's like, oh no, whoa, gross, weird. That's I'm gonna laugh out of uh out of discomfort. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna laugh because they did that in a really funny way. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is great. So, yeah, I think it works really well. Yeah. I think that the the humor here, some of it doesn't work. I, I, but I, I want to talk a little bit about Joss Whedon's writing because as one yeah. of the main writers on this, it feels very much like the stuff he's done before. But I think it's one of his best writing yeah. ventures Easily. because it's it's not too <laughs> Joss Whedon-y. Um, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he can get caught up in his own... Uh, no his own stuff a lot. And you see that sometimes Easily. in Firefly and you see that sometimes in Dollhouse for sure. And and you even yeah. see it. Some of the Avengers, it's like you are, <laughs> you, you have a style of humor, which I I've always enjoyed, but you usually distribute it way too much to all your characters. And then they're all too clever for their own good. And he, yeah. I felt like this was much more restrained, which was good. He gave yeah. most of those traits to the fool Marty character Who's my least favorite character, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> it is okay. You're wrong, but it's okay. Uh, no, I, I, I like talking about Joss Whedon with this because, like, yeah, I, I remember, like, oh, this is a Joss Whedon movie. And, you know, it, it was around that sweet spot in, in time about eight years ago where everyone just knew who Joss Whedon was by right, that Right, because he had just done and Avengers. He, he had just done Avengers and everything, and everyone just loves his writing. And, and the thing is, like, I, with a lot of Joss Whedon stuff, I I am I feel like I'm very halvesies. Like, some of it I love. I love Firefly. It's great. I don't care for the Avengers. Uh, and that's, that's a Marvel problem as well as an Avengers problem. Uh, but some of his writing in the Avengers specifically, I'm just like, uh, you know... He distributes too much of his Whedonisms <laughs> out to it uh, of trying to make a point. Um, and, and that's the kind of writing I don't like. And it would have suffered in this movie had it been full blown. Like, okay, I'm going to take a horror movie genre, but I'm going to go even further meta. I feel like Whedon goes further meta in a lot of his writing, but 
doing it with Goddard on this and doing the co-writing really helped because if it had gone just a little further this movie would not have been good it would have just been like oh we get it um he gets a little too didactic (laughs) in his writing and with this it's it's still satire it's still critique but it's also still a horror movie you know like you can enjoy this as a horror movie and as a critique of horror movies of just like ooh, i'm jumping slash I get you. I get it's like watching Jordan Peele and get out of just like, oh, this guy knows horror and he's using it to get something across. But I can still be scared and see the metaphor in it. You know, you get the whole package um, that I don't feel Joss Whedon always gets right because he's using it so much as a metaphor, you know, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The Avengers, it's just like, okay, you're really (laughs) pushing a vision here at the cost of having good, really, really good characters where it sounds like they're a mouthpiece instead. And I don't think see that's really funny because those those are not my (laughs) criticisms of Whedon. No, no, I I can see that 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 is there some. My typical criticism of Whedon, he he's famously known for saying like. Um, and I'm as a paraphrase, but basically, you know, keep it, keep it tense, keep them, whatever. But then for God's sake, please tell a joke. Like he is yeah, well yeah. known as a guy who's like, if you can make it tense, awesome. But then you got to cut that tension at some point. You got to keep it funny. Yeah. And I think that's the trap I usually get frustrated with in, <laughs> in his case is he always well, wants yeah. somebody to quip something funny. And I think with Buffy, that happens a ton because he gives it to yeah. way too many characters to be funny like that. He starts doing it in Firefly um, and calls attention to it. There's a great moment toward the end of that series where, um, you know, Wash is talking to Kaylee and he's like, oh, Kaylee, everyone knows I'm the funny one. But it's like it's because he's given too many of those types of lines to so many characters and he almost calls himself out on it. Um, And that's definitely happens in the Avengers. There's moments where people make jokes and some of them land, but a lot of them don't. Uh, and this is a yeah. movie where, again, some of them don't land in this movie. When he's got the two guys working in the in the facility, the two older dudes, one of those guys, you can tell he gave all of his weird quip lines to. And they they feel weird coming from that character. And um, hmm. the rest of them he gives to Marty. And I think Marty Marty's used to it. Like I said, he's worked on, I don't remember the actor's name, but he's worked on other Joss Whedon projects and TV shows. So he's used to doing that kind of dialogue. And the reason I said he's my least favorite character is he's weaselly. Um, and it's he's weaselly because of the Joss Whedon type lines. Like he's a know-it-all yeah. and, and, and maybe a little too snarky for his own good. He's a fine character by the end of the movie. Um, but I'm yeah. just happy that as far as those five main characters, they decided let's just make sure... Marty's the only one who really talks like this. He's yeah. the one that needs to be like this, not everybody. And yeah. that's a huge evolution in in Joss Whedon type writing because usually too many Definitely. people get that kind of stuff. I agree. Um, yeah, the the humor aspect. It, yeah, I, for for me, it works really well in this movie just because it seems to be more within the horror genre to have those kind of jokes. (laughs) Whereas like something like the Avengers, it's like you said, it's just like, Oh, you're cutting tension with humor and and humor. That's not even really great humor. I think is what I find. I'm like, this is really uh, uh, the lines that get quoted by people who watch the movies to me. I'm just like, you thought you find this way too funny than it actually is. Like that, that's a very cheap joke. Right. Like, (laughs) you know, and so I find in this one it works just because it is horror, and especially you know when it that uh, title flashes on the screen, it just feels like a B horror movie. So Absolutely. it doesn't feel out of it doesn't feel out of place as as much. And and like you said, like he kind of trims the fat <laughs> on all of that. Yeah, in I think this so. Movie, relegating it to one character. So for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, I want to talk also about, um, well, the entire concept. Let's do the entire concept because the whole t- concept yes. of this movie is wonderful. Uh, it might oh, be, it's, it's so... absolutely my favorite thing about this movie is like just the concept and the fact that the concept worked. 
um, yeah. is what made this so wonderful. So, yeah, and you did hit it in the summary, but the whole idea of yeah, it's a classic slasher horror movie, but for for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like we, well we have to have this because we have to appease the ancient ones these old gods, yeah. um, and the fact that every single country is doing their own version of this like everybody yeah. it's a global effort <laughs> to try to appease the gods uh, it's, and yeah and they're not all successful so and they're not all successful and it's like a competition, yeah. um, and I just thought again conceptually this is just such a brilliant. Brilliant movie. I don't know what whatever you were gonna say about it. Yeah, no, I I think the plot is just so good and and it works just because it's so rooted in horror genre. Like the the moment a e- even before is when like they're all taking bets in the control oh, room, um, and and it part of the brilliant humor is they don't necessarily show what they're betting on like you kind of get it but then they cut to after they're all down there and so you know the setup is they're in this creepy basement it's it's like the conjuring it's like all these movies that are coming out around that time you know like all these high horror movies and you know they got the the little globe that he's turning or whatever they got the journal they got the little bow arena like it's just a shop of horrors down in this cabin basement. it is so they're down there in that basement just, you know, and it's like the controllers say, like, hey, we have to let them choose how they die. And they read the incantation, and that's what summons the zombies, and they cut back to the room, and they have that whiteboard just filled with every horror movie trope monster. And and they do a thing later, like, well, it's not zombies, it's redneck yeah, zombies. Yeah, vengeful redneck <laughs> you know, torture like, zombies. It's the different, and I don't remember if it's yeah, the, exact, he says it's a seal versus an elephant seal, I think. He's like, they're completely different beasts. Because there's the one intern who's yeah. like, but I put zombies, so, so shouldn't I still get it? And he's like, no, because yeah. it's not the same kind. It's, oh, it's so just brilliant, like, candy for any horror movie fan that's like, that's true. That is a clear (laughs) distinction in what's going on. And so, you know, that setup of how they keep the Ancient Ones at bay, and, like, that's, you know, there's that line about what nightmares are in the movie, if you remember, of, like... I don't remember. One of the the characters says, I'm going to butcher is like oh these monsters are what nightmares are made of type line i don't i don't remember it's maybe not as brilliant as i thought but no that whole setup of why this is happening why it's these fives and even how they manipulate everything from this control room you know, you, you know, to make them stupid, like it comes up with an explanation of why these, why people in horror movies are. Stupid. Yeah, well, and it's great. Um, <laughs> you know, so something I was thinking about when you were talking about the betting scene is the other thing that's brilliant on this movie is like the times at which they choose to reveal the information, right? So you start at the beginning yeah. in that in that bunker whatever area. And they're planning for something, and they're like, oh, it's pretty much just us in Japan now, and you have no idea what's going on, you, no clue. Yeah. You've got this new security guy there, been prepped, but are you ready? Are you? Do you think you can deal with this? And all the whole time, we're like, ready for what? You know, it's a brilliant pacing as far as, like, how to reveal information. So even when they're taking bets, and we don't know what they're taking bets on, really, like you said, as soon as it goes to that board, you're just like, oh, that's that's awesome. Because for these guys, this is just yeah. a job, right? It's like this is not yeah. something that, like, they're not evil. In reality, they're actually kind of the good guys trying to save the world from the ancient <laughs> gods. But yeah. for them, like, it's just a job. But they they take it seriously because they know this. the whole fate of the world is kind of resting on their shoulders. And, and yeah, the, the idea that they can control so many elements um, is great because, again, for people who watch a lot of horror movies, all of these things have been talked about for decades. Like, why are people so dumb? We talk about this all the time. Why would you ever split up? And when, they, yeah. when they're when they going to split up, they don't. Like, at first, like, Hemsworth is like, we stay they together. Immediately- and so they gas him <laughs> through a vent, and he's like, 
<laughs> you know what? Actually, we should split up. And you're like, you know, and it, it, it helps appreciate all these different old horror movies yeah. because well, you have a new way of looking at it. It's like, oh, they're not stupid. <laughs> this is it just needs to happen this way. Yeah. No, it. I I love it when they release the gas and then Chris Hemsworth character just stops like, wait, this isn't right. We need to split up and cover more ground. And Marty's just like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> like he's just saying like, and I love it so much of, you know, he's the only one that hears the voices of just like, guys, no, you can't read that. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, no, the setup is just so well executed and like you said pacing wise how they do it it, it it's pretty flawless i mean yeah. this is a movie that is a tight 90 oh yeah it's great horror it movie is. and you don't feel like it needs more or less i think yeah because like when you are <laughs> so. getting the information all you really know is okay so there's somebody who's like controlling this scenario and they're controlling the situation but then you don't know why and then you sort of get to know why, but you don't know the full extent of why. Um, and it takes a while to get there. Um, the other thing that's great on this for pacing, because there is something strange when I was watching it. So when people start dying, um, I don't remember her name, the first woman who dies. Um, but it's like, she dies. Jules. Jules. Okay, so yeah, Jules dies. And then pretty soon after that... Um, you know, Marty's drug out of the house. And then it's not too long after that, that like yeah. Hemsworth is trying to jump his dirt bike over the chasm and <laughs> dies in a hilarious, weird, floppy way. Uh. That, that whole setup of when they come out of the tunnel and he's like, I'm going to jump it. It's so brilliant. Well, the brilliance and, is how it was set up every- way before when it shows that eagle or yeah. hawk smack into the electrical well, field yeah. and die. So we all know it's there. It's a great dramatic tension. Yeah. Well, well, there's great dramatic tension there. And and even just how it's shot, because it's shot so much like a B horror movie or, or it like doesn't just look the good. up the up well the uplifting nature of yeah. everything happening. Like I'm gonna jump it. And like you can see the chasm. You're just like, there's no way in hell. <laughs> right. He's going to make it, even with the force field, right? He's just like, even if I crash, I'll climb up, I'll limp out of here. And, like, even the shot of him flying, it's just like... It looks so cheap. It's so cheap and ridiculous by intention. Like, you know, it's, oh, it's it's just brilliant. It's great. (laughs) You know? But what was happening for me at that point, I was like, oh, there's only five of them, and three of them are already dead. That happened really fast, actually. Like, it was happening almost too fast, I thought. Because I yeah. didn't know where it was going to go next, right? <laughs> and so yeah. uh, by the time Marty shows back up and says, like, hey, I found this area. There's, like, an elevator here, which, again, all ties together because he's the only character you didn't see actually get killed. So it's not that surprising yeah. that he survived. Um, but then they said that they couldn't blow – they couldn't do the tunnel cave in because of something coming from upstairs. And then you find out upstairs is just the cabin. So someone upstairs in the cabin is messing with stuff. And you find out it's Marty who found this electrical box. But then when they do get in the elevator and it opens up this whole other area for them to explore, yeah. I was like, oh, this is how you keep the movie going. Because I was like, yeah. they're killing him off too quickly. There's not enough movie here. Um but then they go in the underground yeah. area with yeah. wonderful monsters, great monsters. It's, I know you talked about the so like kind of the the shop of horrors in the basement, but it is so good. Like everything yeah. is so creepy. Like just the music box, the necklace, yeah. the weird yeah. orb thing that Hemsworth is <laughs> yeah. messing with that you find out is going to bring like a Hellraiser type guy with like buzzsaw stuck in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in that long shot of like seeing just the boxes move and yes. like it's just this hodgepodge of like how are we going to do this today? Um, like right, which you is... can see the little girls from The Shining yep. <laughs> are there. Like it's just wonderful. So, um, so what I love about all of that is there's so much commentary about horror films in general about like, what is the point of them? How do we come up with these? And I feel like part of the satire of this movie is saying like, does it really matter what the monster (laughs) is? Does it really matter how it gets there? Like it lays it all out on the table and and it makes me picture 
you know, people who are going to make these horror movies, just like, all right, we're going to make a horror movie. What's it going to be? And they could just look at it and it's like, should we do redneck zombies? No. Okay. Um, what about this yeah. Hellraiser guy? No, I don't know. Merman? Which is awesome, by the way. Oh, I was waiting. <laughs> Especially because he's like, he was holding the seashell. He almost did it, you know. <laughs> he, he just wanted a merman no. so bad. Um, but the point is, like, it doesn't matter what monster you pick. Not really. Yeah. If you're yeah. trying to make a horror movie, the mechanism of, of fear and death is kind of irrelevant. Definitely. And I thought um, that was great. Well, no. And, and I think... That can lead us to maybe the big overall picture of this movie, which is, you know, it is a horror movie. Most horror movies truly don't have a bigger message. And and this is where I will credit some of those weedonisms in this movie to make it, you know, not only an exciting horror rewatchable i i want to watch it again later today now that my girlfriend's like i can watch it now i'm like let's watch it again i enjoyed it so much you know is you know it has so much to say about the horror genre and, and maybe some other things you know this idea of like okay these people are dying to appease gods and it's all controlled by people downstairs Mm -hmm. you know and and i like what you said of does it really matter how these people die? They just have to die. Um, you know, and it's that illusion of choice, I think, going on in the movie. Because even the controller say, like, well, no, they have to choose. But then it becomes a thing way later in the film, especially near the end, of just, like, but that's not a choice. You, you just gave us the choice of how we're going to die. Well, and they even have to reverse <laughs> gears because, yeah, it's like, is it a choice or not? And he's like, it has to just happen. But then by the time that those characters end up in that bunker and he's like, you know what? doesn't matter. Just kill them. They have to die. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Just just make sure they're dead. Um, that it does kind of rob it of that choice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there's just kind of a fun thing. I love how the movie ends. Just because, you you know, uh, Dana and Marty are the last ones. Uh, the director, <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Who's, awesome. Who's awesome. Just great. <clears throat> shows up and like, hey, you should kill Marty. It doesn't matter if you, the, the virgin dies, which again is great because she's like, I'm a virgin. And she's like, we worked with what we had. Like, right. uh, like it just, it doesn't even matter that she's not a virgin. It doesn't. And that's the thing for this whole thing. Cause earlier when Marty's like, Kurt doesn't normally act like this. The Hemsworth character, like normally he's very yeah. smart. We saw him earlier taking books off the shelf and talking in intellectual ways, but they needed a jock and he looks the part. So they just put him yeah. in cause they needed it to fill that role. And the same is true for Dana. She points out a couple of times. She's like, well, it's not that I've never. And so she's like, I'm the yeah. virgin. It's like, eh, we work with what we got. It's like, we needed something that was close enough. You know? Exactly. <laughs> a contrast it, to the yeah. Jules character, who is only super sexual because they're, like, pumping pheromones into yeah. the atmosphere. And they've affected her hair dye. So it, like, soaks into her brain yeah. and makes her more, like, sexual. It's... Yeah, so again, the illusion of choice, yeah. but also it's like, they don't have to be this way. We just have to make them they, close enough. They don't. And, and well, like, it gets back to what you said, like, well, the guys in the bunker are kind of the good guys. Like, they are trying to keep evil at bay. And I think there's a kind of cool commentary on that of the people we think are keeping us safe, right? Because mm. they they are keeping us safe kind of yeah but also at the expense of like these people's actual ability to choose um you know and marty brings that up of just like well maybe it's time for a change and she's like you don't understand everyone's gonna die yeah (laughs) and he's like but i i'm gonna choose the gods i'm gonna choose the old (laughs) gods for this and like it's a very interesting comment i think on the whole thing uh, in systems meant to supposedly keep you safe yeah at no, the expense true. of your own free will for lack of a better term right um, and keeping <laughs> and it's also like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few kind of idea yeah. like they are going to sacrifice these people um 
because they feel like they should or they need to. And it's like, well, those people didn't agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't. And, and, you know, it's like, are they good guys? Are they bad guys? It's, it's very gray. I mean, you can, yeah. <laughs> they can be both. And I think that's the kind of cool head thing to think about with this movie. Cause I'm like, I, I think there's an argument for both. And that's yeah. where you find some very interesting actual, not just, playing with horror trope fodder <laughs> see and where like, i went oh, with it kind of fun it is fun i went in a very different direction i didn't think about it in terms of that i thought about it in terms because i kept asking myself like who are the ancient ones oh like do that not <laughs> yeah. just like who are they as the gods but like do are they supposed to represent something in our society because yeah. this whole film and these guys in the control room and um there are a few moments where they're like it, things have to happen a certain way the yeah. the the um, overly sexual promiscuous woman she has to die first. The virgin doesn't have to die, but she can. But if she's gonna die, she has to die last. Like it's all this formula, and so it's like, well, it's a ritual. So this is just the way it is. It's it's the way it happens. Yeah. But then what happens if the ritual's not followed? Is the gods get angry and they destroy everything, right? And yeah. so when Hemsworth, so you got Kurt and and Jules in the forest and. When Jules is like taking off her shirt, and the security guy's like, "Do we really? Do we need this?" Like he's pointing out again, like, "Do we need the gratuitous nudity? Is this a point that needs to be there?" Yeah. And they're just like, "Remember, I don't remember. Do, do they call it entertainment, or do they say it like it has an audience, or there's someone watching, or they say something about it?" But I don't yeah, know the yeah, phrase, yeah. right? And that's what got me thinking, like, "Well, who's watching it?" And again, they hadn't fully revealed that there's the ancient ones, but. It got me thinking again toward the end, like, who are the ancient ones? And for my current working theory, the ancient ones are fan bases. That's what I think. I think what you get in this movie is a commentary also on a fan base and what they expect from a movie and what they demand from a movie. They demand that everyone dies. And and when they don't get what they expect to happen, they scorch the earth. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I mean, we were talking, I just edited the, the one from two episodes ago and we were talking about the Star Wars prequels, right? It's like yeah. Yeah. toxic fan bases. It's not that they are terrible movies. It's just not what the fans thought they wanted. So they scorched the earth. And to me, that became kind of a fun way to view this movie as well. That yeah. there are people, maybe it's the entire film industry that's working down in that bunker trying to make things work. And they're watching all these other countries like doing weird things. Like I love the Japan stuff where it's like, oh, there's oh. the grudge, but then it doesn't work because they turn it into yeah. a frog and everyone's like, hooray, happy, joy, and peace. And it's like, what yeah. the heck, man? And it's like, that's an American audience. Maybe How viewing hard is it to kill Jap- nine-year-olds, right? It's like, um, but it, to me, it started feeling like the whole bunker became like a stand-in for Hollywood trying to make the film that people expect them to make. And yeah. dealing with the problems when uh, the people watching it don't get what they think they want, or or when a creator maybe wants to try something different. So yeah. Marty figures it out and says, "Why is this happening? It makes no sense." So he starts working against the movie, and it almost ruins the whole plan. And then yeah. at the end, it's like, "Well, maybe we need to not do the same thing every time." But then the yeah. fans, if it's the fan thing, then the fan base erupts and kills everything. And to yeah. me, I like that interpretation. <laughs> Yeah, that that is a good one. I I like that a lot. I think. <laughs> Anything else you There's want to throw in? So much. It, uh, I, not really. Just that there is so much in this movie. Like you can read it as a critique on fandom, and and then just a critique on horror in general. You can draw some other points from it as well. Outside of those, just as a movie commenting on something completely different. It yeah. works so well. And again, it's just a gorgeous looking movie. <laughs> it looks pretty good, um, yeah. It, well, especially it, because like, of a lot of classic effects. I mean, that's the thing yeah. that works. Like the the zombie people are very classic effects driven zombie oh, yeah. people. The werewolves when they show up are like just classic oh. werewolves. Um, like actual physical costumes. Yeah. Which which note looked Almost exactly like Underworld Werewolves. It did. So you know what? Underworld was getting something right. It, yes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I don't, it didn't need a shout out, but I felt like 
<laughs> it did at the same time. Because, yeah, this is not a very no. CG-heavy movie. The only thing is, like, when you first see those no. boxes moving around, which does look a little goofy and weird, but, again, totally works because yeah. if it looks like a B-movie, it's fine. And it looks a lot like the movie that I watched, like, 15 years ago called The Cube, I think, which is, like, <laughs> this weird... Have you seen The Cube? I've never seen the cube. It's bizarre. It's like these people just wake up in these rooms and all these rooms are attached to other rooms. It's like a death maze and and anyway, but it's like, again, more more shout outs to other classic horror movies yeah. or even not so yeah. classic ones, you know, whatever. Yeah. All right. You ready to hop to some ratings? I think so. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um this I, I really had a fun time watching this movie. I really liked it. It's a good time. Um, I think there's a lot to talk about with this film. I wonder how much it would change the way I view it if I watched more horror movies. Because, again, I'll, I don't watch a lot. There's a lot of those classic ones like this. Like, I watched Evil Dead halfway through once. You know, it's like I never watched all of the Evil Dead. I've never seen Evil Dead 2. I uh, saw Army of Darkness, which is not, yeah. you know, there's nothing really scary or terrible about that movie anyway. Um, the classic Friday the 13th and Halloween and and uh, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. These are not movies that I have ever seen, even though they are so burned into the social consciousness that this movie still works because I at least know those big horror icons and tropes. Um, I think s- most of the writing works. I think Joss Whedon is held at bay. And it's good. I would I would yeah. highly recommend this to people who have no problem watching uh, some some good blood spray gory movies. Yeah. Um. So I'm giving it a solid four. I could be convinced to nice. even go to four and a half probably, but right now I'm sitting at a solid four stars. It was just it was just good. I just liked yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm Perfect. at. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Um no, uh I I really like this movie. I, again, I heard the hype when it first came out of just like, hey, no, this is like really good. It's you know, it's a comment on horror movies. It's funny. And I remember really liking it the one time I've seen it. Uh so much of it is just well done, and that's what makes the satire work. Uh you know, you can tell the filmmakers have a vocabulary in the horror genre. Uh, of course, Joss Whedon does. I mean, with Buffy the Vampire Slayer under his belt, like that's all that show was. And it <laughs> makes sense that it would translate really well here. Again, I'm not into slasher movies, but so much of pop culture that you kind of get the references as they come up or even knowing werewolves, zombie movies. And I think it looks gorgeous. It's fun. It's really funny um, to me, not in an irritating way. The the meta comments surprisingly don't bother me all that much. In fact, I think it just makes it a better movie. Again, Mar- Marty is maybe my favorite character. The stoner, like, it's not working on him. Something's in his weed <laughs> that makes him not susceptible, which I think is just hilarious. I, I like his, like, weaselly attitude it makes his lines very funny to me um and again just the entire premise and plot of the movie is so smart and fun throughout um and its critique of systems and what keeps them going and why we do it and why should we hold them up are they really working for us or against us it had a hunger games vibe in in some aspects to have just like, well, we're going to sacrifice these kids every, every year. That kind of, (laughs) we're just going to do it. Well, why, why should we do that? Like, well, because we're keeping at bay the terribleness. It had that vibe to me. And I, I like that critique on it. And of course, I mean, Sigourney Weaver makes a cameo (laughs) and she's awesome. So, um, I was going to, bump my rating i still might on letterbox when i write an actual review but uh i'm gonna leave this for me at four stars i think it's it's really good it's just a really good movie um probably one of my favorite horror movies 
uh, again, as I collect more ever so slowly in my, my life, um, so, solid four to four and a half star movie. All right. Good deal. So awesome. Well, next time I'm still deciding what we're going to watch next time. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to go for something like dark or crazy or dramatic or oh, man. I'm down with dark and crazy. <laughs> You're dark and crazy. All right. <laughs> if that helps alright well here's my question do you want to do like sci-fi weirdness or just like creepy grounded in reality weirdness I'm okay with either uh, uh, yeah. sci-fi sci-fi okay we're gonna watch District 9 <laughs> okay yeah District 9 it's on Netflix right my now my girlfriend will not be watching this with me <laughs> <laughs> she's already told me of her experience watching this oh okay I've only seen this movie once I have so. also seen it once but it's been a long time I was yep. torn, just so you know, between Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, District 9, Nightcrawler, um, or my one random drama, The Farewell. And a lot of those are oh, very man. different movies. Th- those are. That's a good list to pull from. I, I want to watch all those. Yeah, um, I might end up watching... I almost chose The Farewell <laughs> a oh, yeah? while ago. Yeah. I thought of it, yeah. Uh, who knows? I might end up watching multiple of those before we record next, so... But for now, the official pick is District 9. Um, And that's all we've got for you, everybody. So thank you so much, as always, for listening, uh, for hanging out with us. And um, I don't have anything else to say. So farewell, good people. Uh, Don't stop the talk after you walk out of the theater. There you go. Almost said before. You almost almost did. You've you've been on a good roll. You can't can't backtrack now. (laughs) Woo! Toodles.